have just had Sam from Bright HR on the show and it was just so interesting. Like I could have kept talking to her for ages. I've had so many questions recently of those that are hiring new staff members or those that have actually already got staff members but not sure if they've got the right policies and procedures in place. Um, or not really understanding HR. Lots of people think this subject's quite boring, but it was so interesting. So I think you're going to love this episode and I'm really hoping it's gonna help you guys out that do have staff or are thinking of having staff. So without further ado, here is Sam. Coffee Cake and Chat is a membership program for those that are salon owners or looking to start a salon. There is monthly coaching and monthly Q&As with Katie Godfrey, there are guest speakers that share all of their knowledge and also you get support from a tribe of like-minded businesses, plus also growing your business to the max. You get all of this worth £400 a month for under £70 a month. Click on the show notes below for more information. Hi Sam, welcome to the Life of KG. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much. So can you introduce yourself and just tell us what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Sam. I work for Bright HR and I've been here for around about three years now, uh, not anticipating when I first started that I would be helping companies through the pandemic um, and beyond. So that's been um, a real learning curve for I think everybody involved. Uh, But what I do typically is assist companies in improving their software solutions and ensuring that they are running as efficiently and effectively as possible. Perfect that I really wanted to get you guys on there because I use Bright HR myself currently and in my salon membership group we have so many people having questions about HR and maybe just haven't got the right records and stuff in place so because I love you guys that's why I wanted you to come on the podcast and just give your knowledge about HR really I think some people think it's a very boring subject um, especially in our industry because they're so creative but it's something that we have to have especially when we're starting to grow teams so obviously HR is something that we all need when we're employing staff um, and people forget the importance of that so why is it so important to have HR involved? So it's really, really important. In the modern world we live in now, where well-being is more important than it's ever been before, um, the way we treat people and the way we operate our business can have severe repercussions if we don't abide by those HR laws and legislations. Of course, it's completely free for an employee to take an employer to tribunal, and the average tribunal cost in the UK to an employer is £8,500. So for a small business or a small salon, it can be absolutely devastating and could potentially close their doors. So as much as we can do to abide by HR legislation, ensure our records are up to date and mitigate the risk of being taken to a tribunal, the better it's going to be for the business. So I would say one of the most important reasons to um, keep up to date with HR is just to eradicate that risk as much as possible of going to tribunal because we're seeing more and more cases come through and um, really big companies are falling foul to not following HR processes. And even though they may have dismissed somebody and they were absolutely valid in doing so because they didn't follow legislation laid out, they're having to pay out huge sums of money to the individuals who were rightly dismissed from their business. Wow. It's actually quite scary, isn't it? And it's free for the employees to take us to tribunal. Um, And don't they have like two years to be able to do that? 
Yeah, absolutely. So they can do it whilst they're working for you. They can do it up to two years after they've worked for you. Um, and there are so many little caveats to it that you wouldn't even imagine. So as per the good work plan coming out last year, if you haven't issued their contract from day one of employment, they can claim up to four weeks worth of wages. Wow, really? Just for not having that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, moving forward, you know, we say to everybody we speak to at the minute, as soon as you hire a member of staff, make sure they've signed that agreement before they carry out any work for yourself. So make sure the contract is signed and in place before they start work. Definitely, because I do remember, I don't know if this was a thing or not, or I could have just completely made it up. Um, but was there a thing that was like verbal contracts? You don't have to give the contract for X amount of weeks or months. And if it was like That's verbally in place. Correct. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So that has changed now whereby um, you need that kind of written agreement in place prior to them undertaking any work for yourself. Don't worry, though, because we speak to a lot of businesses who are like, oh, well, I haven't done it. Do it now you will get away with it essentially as long as they haven't yet started a tribunal case so you have until the first day of employment to provide it to them or until they take you to tribunal so as long as that is in place before they take you to a tribunal so if you've got existing members of staff that haven't had their contracts yet or you've just never gotten around to it do it now do it as soon as possible and then it's out the way Mm. we've run in teams myself for like 13 years now and have had so many team members over the years um I would always personally want them to know that it was signed before their start date anyway, just so they know that exactly where they lie. Because mm-hmm. otherwise it's quite that you don't know that obviously the contract has all the tiny things in there that you might not have mentioned over an interview process. So knowing that they can read through that, any questions, make sure they're completely happy. You would definitely want to know that before they physically start the job anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's just the mark of a responsible employer. And we do speak to lots and lots of people who are like, well, I've known them for years, so it didn't seem as important because they kind of understood what the expectations are. And that's when you get into really tricky HR situations in a tribunal. If you say they kind of understood the expectations, that is going to go against you straight away. Oh, so going back to complete basics then, because I know a lot of listeners on here um, are just starting business or they're new to business or they're definitely new to employing people. What do new employers need to take on board when hiring their, their first employee? So a few things you'd want to establish before you hired that initial employee. Um, Do they have any qualifications and would you require evidence of this? So this is even before that contractual agreement comes out. And are you taking their references and how far in advance would you want to contact those references? Do you have agreement from that individual to contact those references prior to them starting work with you? Because they might be leaving that job and it might be a bit of a grey area. So it's really important to ensure that those documents are in place. We want an offer letter before the contract just setting out that you are offering them this position for this number of hours and this financial remuneration. Um, And then when it comes to the contract, we want to ensure that the contract is completely relevant to the role and sets out all those things that you just mentioned, you know, that we want a start finish time if necessary if they are going to be on a variable contract for example and working on a rotor what can they expect to work what are the expectations that you would have for that individual so we want the language as simple as possible because if there is any discrepancy then your employee's got a way to say well I didn't really understand it but we also want it to be as thorough as possible as well so we want the fewest amount of um 
discrepancies or errors to occur as a result of that contract. So we want plain, simple language. We don't want it to be over legal as well, because that's something you can get bogged down in and it's really not necessary. Um, so then we also want to provide details of probation period. If they will encounter a probation period, how long will that be? Do you have the right to extend that? So all of these documents, we want to, um, to have robust systems in place to ensure that they're all um, sorted for taking on that first employee. And then training expectations. Are you going to provide any training or should they have any training in advance of joining the company? And we also want policies and a handbook as well. Those are really important. So anything that you refer to in the contract, it's also really, really important to remember that you want to provide that information to them at the time they're signing that contract. So if in the contract it says, for example, for these details, refer to the employee handbook, we want to ensure that we're providing that handbook with the contractual agreement so they have all the information they need. And your policies, you want policies on anything from um, behaviours that you expect to social media policies is something that's really really important and growing in importance as you see people glued to their phones all the time nobody's immune to it uh, and it's the reputation of your business that you want to consider so policies that you wouldn't necessarily think straight off the bat but are really really vital to the appearance of your business and the success of your business as well um, and then we also want policies around things like break times and um, if they start early can they leave early what are your policies around what they're wearing how their appearances how they treat people we want bullying and harassment policies in there and one of the big ones that's really coming into focus a lot more now is the menopause and um, because it's something that affects so 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 many people and there are estimated now one in five women within the workforce over the age of 50 so what we really want to do is ensure that all those protected characteristics are accounted for and whilst it doesn't in itself fall as a disability um, some of the symptoms of it do fall under protected characteristics so we want to ensure a menopause policy for the business and that's something that hardly anybody thinks of but we'll be able to provide all of those documents and that information to any business that, that wanted some help and support. So if someone didn't have these documents in place, the contract, the, the, um, these policies, handbook, what can happen later down the line if they don't have these in place? Again, it's a really, really big risk of tribunal cases. So if you don't have your behaviours and expectations laid out for your member of staff in a policy that can be referred to, and then they, for instance, um, don't follow those procedures that you expect of them and you dismiss them for it, they could take you to tribunal for unfair dismissal. And as soon as that case comes to a tribunal, you haven't got the documents to back up that those are your expectations and therefore that employee has been unfairly or wrongfully dismissed. Mm. A couple of um, questions that actually come to mind when you were talking previously. Zero hour contract, is that a thing that's legal still or is that not legal anymore? So you can have zero hour contracts. It's rather more difficult to do um, than it was previously. Um, and that's on the basis that if you are engaging an employee in a zero hour contract you need to make sure that it is in fact zero hours if you start somebody on a zero hour contract but then you have them for a set number of hours a week or the expectation lands that they will be doing a certain number of hours a week and you rotor and schedule them on for these certain number of hours it then becomes an implied contract and you get in really murky waters then so if you are putting an employee on a zero hour contract you want to ensure that those hours can be naught they can be higher than naught but they are not repeated and they're not the same week in week out Oh, so it'd have to be completely different. So you could then say to that staff member, no, you're not needed this week. And then the yes. following week, you could say five weeks, what five hours? What happens to their holiday then? 
So their holiday will be calculated on the basis of how many hours they've actually worked. So they will accrue their holidays. So somebody that is contracted to a certain number of hours, their holidays will be fixed because they're carrying out that certain number of hours. Um, a zero hour contract um, employee would accrue, I think it's um, a percentage per hour that they work. So a percentage mm. of the hour they work will be considered holiday that they can then take back. I can't imagine that many people actually wanting to go on a zero hour contract then. It's yeah, it's from an employee's perspective, it's always better to to have a certain number of hours um, that you'll be set to work um, because you could obviously be in a situation where you have several weeks without any hours of work. And then, you know, all sorts of other questions arise as to your own financial stability and well-being. Um, but for some employees, it works really well. And for some employers, it works really well as well. But we have seen cases whereby people have taken um, an employer to tribunal because of an implied contract. So whilst they were on a zero hour contract, they were actually being given 26 hours a week and those hours were set over days that were repeated each week and it then becomes you know an issue of are they entitled to that holiday pay even if they aren't rotated on for those times and things of that nature so if you are having a zero hour contract I would definitely definitely say ensure that it is under the terms of a zero hour agreement. Mm. And then when it comes to um, the probationary period, I remember when I first started in business, it used to be three months, and then we decided that it would be six months in our contracts, um, especially within our industry, hair and beauty, we found that six months sometimes wasn't even enough, well three months definitely wasn't, some people would pass, some people wouldn't be able to extend, um, if it was office based staff member you could generally kind of know within three to six months but what's kind of the legality about extending their probationary if you have to? So you can have those probation periods extended if you wanted to as a business owner, you would have to have that conversation with them and get agreement from that individual. Um, one thing that I would watch out for as an employer is if you pass the date of that probation period and you haven't either, uh, haven't either booked an appointment with them to go over the details of that probation period or you haven't had any sort of meeting with them about it, it's assumed that they've passed. So then they have the rights of a full um, employee. So whether you're going to extend it or let them pass the probation, it's imperative to have that meeting at least scheduled in by the date that their probation expires. Otherwise, they will have the full rights of an employee and they'll you will have to provide them with the same notice period as you would a member of staff. Wow, I didn't know that one. <laughs> so you must um, talk to employers all of the time and hear different mistakes that people have done all of the time what's the, the biggest most common mistake that you hear that employers aren't doing that we could kind of save on later on so from my personal experience I would definitely say it's not having those policies in place when an employee starts at the business you know if you don't have a lateness policy in place and then your employee continually shows up late but you haven't set an expectation of what those repercussions can be it can be really really difficult to then discipline them it can be difficult to if they are on a variable contract to take any money away from them um, so having a policy in place that says, for example, for every five minutes you're late, we'll dock 15 minutes of your pay or whatever it might be. Having that set out prior to taking on those members of staff is so, so, so important. And it's the biggest financial mistake that I see employers making is not having set expectations. And you, you can't hold your employees accountable if you haven't provided them with that information prior to them joining the company. Um, and then updating policies as well. A lot of employers 
that I speak to want to update policies and don't realise that unlike a contractual agreement, your policies, you don't have to have a signed agreement from your member of staff. You can enforce policies if you want to without having their agreement. Like at the minute with um, COVID-19 precautions, obviously we don't have to abide by any of those rules anymore. However, as a business owner, if you wanted to enforce your um, members of staff to carry on wearing masks and carry on social distancing, you absolutely can do. You don't have to get them to agree to it. You can just write the policy and provide them with adequate time to make those reasonable adjustments. If somebody's exempt, obviously then we're in a different kettle of fish, but when it comes to abiding by those rules as a regular member of staff, if they're not following the policies that you set out, it becomes a conduct issue. So I would say the biggest mistake that I hear employers doing is not setting those expectations in policies and then wanting to discipline an individual. It's always easier to create the policy first and ensure that you've provided them with that information in enough time. And really, it's such a simple thing to do, isn't it? Just making sure that you're organised on track and that you have all them policies and then you should be nice and safe. (laughs) Definitely. And they don't have to be. This is another misconception. They don't have to be pages long. It can be a paragraph. It can just illustrate your point really, really succinctly and really easily and pass that to all the members of staff. Give them enough time to read through it. And um, yeah. If you provide like lots of training for a member of staff, especially within our industry I keep relating back to our industry but there's lots of people listening to the podcast now that aren't actually hair and beauty and they're just all in general business but in our industry we you know send them on so many courses or lots of salon owners might now be trainers and then just training their staff up from scratch to learn so many different qualifications then they might stay with us for a short period of time and then they go off and leave go to work for themselves or another local salon what can you put in place to protect them as much as possible for, to protect the salon owner? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is something that's hugely important, as you mentioned there, across all businesses and something that unless you're really savvy about it, you can fall foul to. And it does have a massive financial repercussion to yourself. And um, what we would recommend doing is um, utilizing training agreements so these would allow you to recoup some costs so for instance if you said to an individual we will send you on this training and we will pay for it um, but you will have to stay with us for a minimum of 24 months following that training if you leave us prior to that um, 24 month period we will take x amount of money for the percentage of time that you haven't stayed for your agreement period now it has to be a reasonable amount so you couldn't send them on a two thousand pound training course and say if you leave we're going to charge you five thousand pounds and it would have to be reasonable and within the limit of what you've actually paid out for that and of course that amount would reduce over time as well um, because they have worked back some of that uh, that cost so it would have to fall as a percentage down as the time goes on but it would allow you to recoup some of the costs that you've spent on them as a business having a training agreement in place and a caveat alternatively you can also do an extended notice as well so for every training course we send you on we expect another four weeks on the end of your notice period if you provide it and then um, you've obviously got the ability to take them to court afterwards if they if they don't stay for the notice period that they've signed and agreed to Mm, that actually takes me to another question that I had um quite a lot of different people come to me over especially over covid that staff members were handing their notice but refusing to work notice like how can they then deduct fees or just manage to get another member of staff in if that happens like where do they stand because the staff member just have hands in their notice and then off you go can't they block you you can't get hold of them like where would you stand with that 
so it's really really difficult one under that situation um, and we did see a lot of businesses in a similar position during covid um realistically unless there was any money outstanding for that individual um they, they, there isn't a great deal you can do other than taking them to court um over the over the amount of time that you would have them kind of work in that notice period um, you can charge them if you had that training agreement in place though that's something that that you would be able to do so you can recoup the cost that way you'd be able to send them a letter to their place of residence their address um, and ask for that money that you've agreed to because they've signed a written agreement for that so that'll be a lot easier than somebody simply skipping out on their notice period Mm, yeah definitely so managing staff holidays this was a big one for me when I started um in business I felt that I had spreadsheets all over the show staff were always coming to me going how many holidays do I have and can I have this holiday off can I have that holiday off and it actually caused me so much anxiety like it was really really stressful and then it got to a point where I was like I need to make sure that I can manage this a different way where they don't actually have to physically come to me or when I have to say no it's not so difficult because I can do it for a portal or something like that and then obviously that's when I come up with met you guys and went on to Bright HR you have this portal can you tell us more about the benefits of that and how it can be used yeah absolutely so bright hr is um, a hr software system that will take you end to end of the employee experience so as a manager as a business owner you'll be able to approve your employees holidays requests with a swipe you can decline them as well it works on both the desktop and the mobile app version so it's a really versatile system and it also means four times like this for periods like covid that we've just been through if your employees wanted to request something or you wanted to or needed to amend the rotor you can send that straight out and it goes directly to their mobile as well so nobody's having to come in unnecessarily nobody's putting themselves at risk um, so it's a really really robust and, and and unique system in that it covers so many facets of the employee experience so we've got the holidays we've got unlimited document storage for any documentation pertaining to that individual again making um, your life a lot easier as an owner because you've then got their contract and the policies all in one place and if you take a new starter and you don't then have to create a whole new um, new employee pack you can just direct them to bright hr and have everything in there uh, we've also got template documentation. So if any of the things I've talked about sent alarm bells ringing, like I don't know how to create policies and I don't know how to do um, X, Y and Z, that's absolutely fine because we've got everything that you could possibly need as an employer. And we've also got a health and safety portal as well. So for things like your COVID-19 risk assessments, um, fire safety and things of that nature, along with training courses for members of staff like hazardous substances, which I think is a salary, something that you possibly come into contact quite a lot. Um, and then we've also one of the most undersung offices uh, offers that we provide is our EAP service which is an employee assistance program um, and what that will provide is counselling either face-to-face -face or over the phone counselling for all your members of staff and um, what sets us aside from kind of competitors is that it doesn't just account for the members of staff you employ directly but will provide that counselling to their immediate family as well um, so it's six sessions per issue so you can utilize it as many times as, as as you need to and it's got wellness checks on there it's got meditation guides on there you can set four week plans wow. for things like losing weight quitting smoking so it's it's a really really useful system and we don't shout about it enough I don't think um within ourselves so that's that's possibly my favorite part of what we offer 
Yeah, I definitely don't think you guys shout about it as not enough because it is. And especially for new businesses as well, it's all so daunting of, oh, my God, how many holidays should this person have? And this person's asking for holidays, same as this person, but I'm finding it really difficult to say no. Well, they just have to go through the portal and they can see it'll be a no. So it just makes everything really, really easy to manage. Definitely. I mean, I can I can remember back um, several lifetimes ago when I uh, when I had a, a job in an office and um, we would like run in on the 2nd of January and just try and get our initials on the calendar on the wall and it was just absolute chaos and everyone was like there were sharpies everywhere and it just just completely takes that away I don't think I've ever used Bright HR on the desktop I literally just go on my mobile I'll request my holidays my manager will approve them or decline them I mean but that doesn't happen because as you mentioned I can see who else in my team is off at the same time so I won't be requesting days that I know aren't convenient so it just makes the whole process a lot easier and hopefully saves a lot of time for the business owner because they don't have to then go back and decline things and look like the bad guy they can just put the ball back in the employee's court definitely definitely is there anything before I let you go coming up in the HR world that we should keep an eye on so we're ahead of the game so this is um I was having to think about this earlier and there is a law that will be coming in um now it mainly affects hospitality but it will affect other areas and industries as well and it's to do with tips so it's going to ensure that staff members keep 100% of the tips that they earn now this has been on the table since 2016 but it's finally being picked up and it will be introduced at some point during 2022 so the processes you have surrounding tips the way you um kind of account for them and what your staff do with them this is something that will become a legal requirement to to ensure that the person who has the tip and has earned that tip gets to keep 100% of it so as a company you couldn't for instance take a percentage off if they're providing that tip on the card machine for example um and we're also um going to see um a multitude of different kind of legislations coming in surrounding um, well-being and different um, areas of employee working so one thing that we are going to see a change in most likely is that you don't have to work for a company for 26 weeks anymore before you can submit a flexible working request the change that's going to happen to that legislation is that it's going to become a day one standard practice so at the minute you have to be employed by a company for at least 26 weeks before you can request flexible working and that's going to become a day one right more than likely so that's something again to keep your eye on particularly if you have people that are working in the salon but doing an admin based role that could be something that they request a flexible working arrangement for and they're able to conduct that from an alternative location wow okay so going to the tips point because I know that will be a big one in industry Mm -hmm. um can because obviously if a tip is going for a card machine it makes it very difficult of where that money has gone and then you've got the fees on top and stuff like that. Can you say that they just can only take cash tips and tips can't go through card terminals? Absolutely. If that's a policy that you wanted to introduce as a manager, again, that is something that you can absolutely enforce just by creating that policy, writing that up, providing it to the members of staff and ensuring that they um, agree to that. If they've been given that information mm-hmm. and they don't adhere to it, that's 
you know they've been provided with that information at that point you know there's there's, there's not much more you can give them if you've given them um those rules and in addition if you really wanted to you could write it into a contractual agreement um, but certainly if you if you wanted to enforce that you absolutely could do you're not preventing them getting tips you're not taking a percentage of those tips away what you are doing is ensuring that you are following the legislation that's coming in by providing 100% of that so if anything you're making their life easier because I don't I actually only do cash tips in our business purely because of this reason I just think it gets so confusing so my team are absolutely fine with that but I can't get my head around the fact that if it was to go through a card machine I'm sure there's loads of different ways now but if it was to go for a card machine that then goes on to our um our income which then will be vatable if you're vat registered um, and then you've got the car machine fees that come from that. So surely is it not gonna um is it not gonna cost a business owner to not to give the person a hundred percent tips? So it potentially could. Um it depends on um the way that the 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 amount gets processed because you can add it separately as a gratuity kind of afterwards. Um mm. and that's something that um is is calculated differently and um, but to avoid all that confusion I definitely would as you've recommended there say it's cash tips that's the way we're going to operate and it'll make life easier for absolutely everybody involved because then obviously of course um you might be working on an older till where you put the amount in you don't put that it's this is the amount for the procedure this is the amount for the tip so it does get really really tricky and really confusing when you're trying to level those books out and think well actually what did they pay for and what have they given our members of staff so it's um yeah it's a it would be a lot easier to separate those things out yeah let's just keep that simple <laughs> <laughs> so then when it comes to flexible um flexible hours of working I remember I had this with a team member actually not so long ago and um, she's been with us for ages and um of course she could have flexible work and I actually think it's a really good thing um but how does that affect businesses and what is actually flexible working so flexible working can be requested by a member of staff as I mentioned there at the minute it's after 26 weeks um, and they could they can pretty much rec- um, request whatever they wanted there are only eight reasons to deny a flexible working request um, but those are really really broad so if an employee for example is currently doing nine to five um, and they're in the office Monday to Friday and they see a benefit in doing two days a week at home they absolutely can submit that request now um, if they request to do two days a week at home but the hours that they're requesting to do are between three and five in the morning when there are absolutely no customers you can turn around and use one of those eight responses and say look there isn't the custom to fill the time that you've requested and therefore it's not going to be beneficial to anybody for you to do that time so it really is about taking into account the entire situation um for for a lot of people uh, they've realized that they're saving money on childcare if they are able to work from home and it depends again upon the business and the structure for a lot of people you know for your hairdressers they wouldn't be able to work from home and um, they wouldn't be able to to work from alternative locations because that is the salon that they work at so it is um it's a, a bit more tricky in an industry whereby you are hands-on and you have to interact with and physically be there with that individual but certainly for the people that are working in admin um if they are capable of carrying out that work from home and they can show that there isn't a reduction in productivity or output then they have every right to 
submit that flexible working request and they can submit a flexible working request every 12 months as well um, and the response that you give has to be based upon that specific request so you can't just kind of copy and paste from the previous year um, you would have to take each request as a standalone case and really look into it um, utilizing one of those eight reasons for not approving that request I guess within the hair and beauty space, it's going to be Saturdays, working Saturdays, because there's a lot in our contracts where it says you can only have X amount of Saturdays off a year. Um, and then there's obviously late nights. So lots of people in the industry work late nights. So I guess especially with after COVID, this whole work life balance people don't want to work Saturdays or every Saturday or they don't want to work the late nights. So I guess a flexible working, they could put that forward, couldn't they? Yeah, absolutely. But if you're going to then have to hire an individual to utilize it to, to, to kind of fill that time, you could state that it's a burden of additional costs to the business and therefore it's not really viable for them to have that time off. So, you know, all of these flexible working requests do have to be within reason. Um, and if it's a if it's a contractual change that's really going to shake the foundation of the contractual agreement they signed, it's not something that as a business owner you're going to have to agree with. So if they've signed a contract that says I work this number of Saturdays every year um, and then they say, well, I don't want to work any Saturdays. Can you come to a compromise with that request? So if they wanted, for instance, Saturday off to look after that elderly relative, or if they were just taking that time um, because it's convenient for them, it would be something that you would have to consider as a business. And if that is ultimately going to be a detriment to the business, in that instance, you do have an ability to refuse that flexible working request, whatever the reasons are. So it really does, you know, come down to is that going to affect the business negatively and if it is going to affect the business negatively um is that something that you can viably absorb amazing so a lot and lot to think about there for businesses out there and making sure that you're doing it all properly um i'm going to leave details on the show notes of how to get in touch but where is best to get in touch for people that are listening sam so for anybody that's listening, you can go to brighthr.com. And um, we also have a dedicated KG salon uh, individual within the business, Penny Simons, who's absolutely lovely. And she is more than happy to talk through absolutely any queries or questions any of your members might have. Um, she is um, available, you know, Monday to Friday um, and always willing to take a call. So if anybody wanted to call up, get in touch, it'd be Penny Simons to ask for. And, you know, she's she's really looking forward to speaking to you perfect thank you so much for giving up your time I know you're super busy that was so interesting like I reckon we could talk all day <laughs> so thank you very much no problem at all no problem always a pleasure and uh, let me know if you uh, if you want to talk again definitely the pro gel classic professional British the pro gel is a proud British brand designed and created for nail professionals by nail professionals. We have a wide range of professionals only product with over 200 highly pigmented gel polish colours that are all vegan and cruelty free, express tips and lots more. Make sure you follow us on socials at the pro gel UK and use code KGLIFE10 to receive 10% off your first order.